this morning comes from the New Testament, from Acts, book 4, verses 32 through 35. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. And this ends the reading. Thanks, Maury. Well, that was a short little reading today. You're, you're lucky I didn't give you the, the gospel reading today, which uh, was a lot longer. And it, it actually includes... Uh, um, the appearances of Jesus in the upper room with his disciples and then coming eight days later because Thomas wasn't there and wasn't sure what to believe. Um, And that's preached on often, but I saw something different as I uh, was preparing this week and it was very much in this short reading from the fourth chapter of Acts. I saw resurrection results, or at least hopes for those of us who follow Jesus, for those of us who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ after He hung on that cross. And it begins, there's really four points here. It begins the first one. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. The whole group was of one heart and soul. Hmm. Anybody ever known a church that's been of one heart and soul? Hmm? Or anything that has been one heart and soul? Number one result of the resurrection is to be one of one heart and soul. But what does that mean? Does that mean every time when we have a congregational meeting next week, everyone's going to agree on everything? I don't think it means that. I think it means something much deeper than our opinions on things or our stance on something. I think it has to do with a unity and a connection in relationships. I think it has to do with a love and respect across the different opinions that we might have. When we're resurrection people, we believe it's possible to have a community that is of one heart and soul. That's what resurrection means. It means we know everything about the journey of this human life. We know the ups and the downs. And we know as followers of Jesus how to find our way through it all to hope, to new possibilities. And one of those new possibilities is that we can be of one heart and soul. So if we want to live in Easter times, if we want to live in resurrection times, how can we have conversation in this community about how we could be of one heart and soul? 
That would be step one of being a resurrection people. If that seems hard, let's go to part two. And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. Um, This is economic revolution, you might call it. No one claims private ownership of possessions, and everything is held in common. This is the second mark of a resurrection people, an Easter people. Now, on the first one of being one heart and soul, we might at least agree that that's a good vision to shoot for, right? Can we all agree that no one claiming any possessions, private possessions, and that all these items are to be held in common? Can we all agree that's the vision? That's the goal? I won't make you vote right now. I think that's going to be a tougher sell. But this Acts community, this, you know, Acts of the Apostles, I love it because it comes right after the Gospels in in our scriptures. Because what is it? It's the next stage. It's when the believers come together and try to figure things out without Jesus walking right next to them. And what we saw in this early community was we saw these people coming together, one heart and soul. We saw them claiming no private ownership of any possessions and holding them in common. So we want to be a resurrection Easter people. Let's have conversation about what that means. I'm not sure I want to. But I think we're called to have that kind of conversation. Do we think this was just, um, you know, it's kind of like being high on some good drug that makes you euphoric for a while? Do you think this was just the euphoria of right after the resurrection? Or is this the vision of what a resurrection people are like? So then, next... With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Well, last week after I left you on Easter, our church camp and sits in on Coeur d'Alene Lake um, does a wonderful thing for, for us clergy people who they presumed worked really hard to, through Lent and Holy Week and into Easter, And therefore, we needed to rest. So every year, we get invited out there for a couple of days to just relax. No pay, don't have to pay to sleep there, don't have to pay to eat, they fed us every day. So Andy and I went out there on uh, Thursday, uh, Thursday, Monday afternoon, and we were there until after breakfast on Wednesday morning, and there were some others um, there as well, some of our colleagues. On the Monday night after dinner, uh, we, we set up a big table. I think there was like 15 people around the table. Um, and uh, so we all could kind of see each other. It was kind of family style that way. And uh, at the end, some people lingered at the table. I was one of them. We continued to have conversation. 
Um, later on in the conversation, as we went deeper into our discussions about things, there were three of us left. Um, some of people peeled off because they didn't want to go deep into this, but we were having a conversation about what the resurrection was about. What really happened to Jesus? Uh, one of my clergy colleagues was saying, well, some progressive people say it was a metaphorical resurrection, not really a physical bodily resurrection. But I think it was a metaphysical resurrection. Okay, I'm not going to get into this. But the point is, we went on and on and on. We were all into our own thoughts and ideas and questions about what the resurrection really is. Have you ever sat around and had a conversation about that? Because if you're going to be a resurrection people, we've got to figure out what is that really, what is that resurrection of Jesus? What really was it about? Does it matter what factually actually happened? Does it matter whether the body was part of the resurrection? See, I've actually always struggled, I'll be honest, I've always struggled with the bodily resurrection part of it, frankly, the physical bodily resurrection. But it's in tension with another part of me because I think a big part of Jesus being in our midst, this fully human, fully divine, is that we don't have a distant God. We have a God who puts two feet on the ground, is earthy with us, is bodily embodied with us. And the bodily resurrection kind of reminds us of that. This is not, a, this is not one who goes away distant from us. But one is still embodied with us. But whatever you think the resurrection is, part of what happens to an Easter people, to a people of the resurrection, is that they have and give conversation and testimony to what this resurrection is about. They don't just think it inside themselves. They explore all the ways of thinking about it and talking about it and understanding it. They listen to other people and what their understanding is and what their experience is. And this is part of what happened in this early community. With the help of the apostles who were with Jesus for three years, maybe were a little bit further down the road, even though, as we know, during Holy Week, they weren't ready for the resurrection any more than anybody else. They weren't ready for the death or the resurrection any more than anybody else was. Alright, so we have three marks or three results of a resurrection people so far. We have a group, a community that is of one heart and soul. We have a group, a community that claims no private possessions but holds everything in common. And we have a group or a community that has conversation around what this resurrection means and tries to deepen and build an understanding of what that is about. And then we come upon the last. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And they laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. Hmm. This sounds similar to the no private ownership, but I think that's a little bit different. It's talking about how we don't actually own anything ourselves, right? But in this case, 
it's in a way contradictory because those who owned lands, right? So they did have some private ownership there. They brought them into the community. It's the action of recognizing that everyone who has need in the community, everything should be shared, right? Now, one thing that's really important to notice here, because we have a lot of conversations, you know, churches like ourselves, we work with other organizations, and we work with helping those who are needy in the community, and there always gets to be conversations, we've got to cut this person off because they don't seem to appreciate what, what they're getting, you know, or they've overused and we need to spread it out more. This does not give us any criteria for that, it just says we share if they need. We share if they need. It doesn't say if they need because of no fault of their own or because, you know, they screwed up their life and now they're needy. It doesn't break those out at all. It just says sharing according to need. But we could have conversation about that as well. So how is it as a resurrection community that we grow together in sharing according to need. How is it that we become aware of the need? I know that a lot of us, not untypical to any other places I've been, we're kind of private about it, you know. I'm okay, I'm okay, you know. Maybe we tell a friend or two when we're feeling needy. But neediness means a relationship within a community where we're paying attention to each other. We're seeing where the need is, but we're also sharing our own need. We're not saying, you know, no, I'm fine, I'll take care of myself. We're actually allowing ourselves to be open and to be taken care of by one another. I wonder how many of these resurrection communities exist in the world today. How many groups of these Easter people are there? who are coming together in their one heart and soul. How many of these Easter communities are there claiming no private ownership of possessions and having an understanding that everything is held in common? How many of these resurrection communities are sharing out loud testimonies of understandings of the resurrection and what the resurrection means, what happened and what it means, how much of that testimony is happening. And how many these resurrection communities have built that community in a way that there's an understanding and even no shame around the neediness that we might have. Paying attention and seeing the need. Allowing ourselves to be vulnerable enough that others in our community can see the need that we have. And then having the priority of taking care of all need as a community. What kind of church would it be that was like this? What kind of world would it be that was like this? 
about to say this, but I'm questioning myself whether I even believe it. Believing in the resurrection means believing in these kinds of resurrection results, which are radical, which are revolutionary, which when been tried most times in the history of the world have failed. Do I even believe that? Do you even believe it? Is it our vision? If not, what are the results of the resurrection for you? And what is the vision for yourself, for this community, and for this world that rise out of the resurrection of Jesus Christ?